We are super glad that you're here. Let's get back at it. We're going to um, dig into Luke chapter 10 this morning. Uh, we've been in the True Story series for, feels like a year. It's a good thing. We like to go, a lot of times we like to go through whole books of the Bible, small chunks at a time, so we get a good context for them. We can really um, get a, a full picture understanding of what the whole book's about. Um, and it kind of helps us also to speak through parts of Scripture that maybe aren't as glamorous and you might glaze over if you're just kind of picking stuff. So right now we're in the book of Luke. If you've not been with us, uh, we are wrapping up chapter 10. Um, so if you'll go to chapter 10, verse 38. I get five verses today, okay? I haven't preached in a while, so um, better give me like five than like 30. So, all right. If you're there, I'm going to read through that for you, okay? Um, and if you need some notes, uh, there, there are note sheets over around here at the front, and if you don't have any, man, uh, John will give you some right there. Just, just uh, raise your hand if you need some notes. Um, taking notes is a great way to, to retain more of what we're trying to, to teach through Scripture. There's also um, some extra verses there for your own study through the week. So that we really encourage you to take advantage of that. And then once you get in community groups later this week, you'll dig in even further, okay? All right, here we go. Let's read chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, that's uh, Jesus and his followers, probably a lot of them because um, the 72 that he had sent out to go and minister had just come back. Um, so they were traveling along and he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparation. And she came up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me in here to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me out. But the Lord answered her and he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Some of your translations might say only a few things are necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So he says, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make her leave my teaching and sitting at my feet to come and to do that role and to serve in that role. So there at Martha's house, she's working really hard. She's asking God to help to have Martha, uh, Mary help her. And Jesus says, you're worried and bothered about so many things. Right now, I'm in this place, Mary's doing what's necessary. All right, can we pray over that so that God will give us all wisdom, me wisdom as I try to, try to teach, and then I'll give you a chance to pick that stuff up. So, all right, Father, we, um, we thank you for the words that you have written down for us, and we cherish them, and we pray that, um, that in the next few minutes, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage and challenge us, and that you would do a work that draws us in nearer to you and helps us to see you more clearly and more truly. And God, I pray that you'd help us to learn from Mary and Martha and the example that you set in Scripture. So we ask that you bless this time together and, uh, and do fruitful, really wonderful things through it. God, we love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. Um, 
we read that passage, and the easy thing to do, and what I, I want to make sure we don't do this morning, is to, to make the takeaway from those five verses, the takeaway to be, hey, the work that Martha was doing is not important, or the work in general is, not, is, is irrelevant. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't, don't have to worry about getting it done. That's not the takeaway, okay? Um, that can't be how we read this because... And again, I was talking about context, the full picture of Scripture. Um, We could just come in here and pop in and just say, here's five verses that make it like what you're doing is really not important. When for a couple months we were in Luke 8 and 9 and 10, and a lot of it was really focused on um, Jesus' followers working really hard for him and going and doing and serving and laying their lives down and laying their, their comforts down and sacrificing for the sake of others and for the kingdom of God. Okay, can I, re- I want to recap that really quickly in case you've not been with us. Here's the last, um, last couple chapters in Luke before we get to Martha and Mary's story. Luke 8, 21, um, he says that his brothers and his mothers are the one who hear the words that he says and do them. And I'm going to read through quite a few here. Um, what you'll see on the screen when we pull up uh, some of the thoughts or there'll be scripture references there. But you can also go online and get the extended cut, which will have all the scripture references so you can study on your own later. It's on our website under message videos. So don't feel like you got to turn to all these and jot them down now. But you, um, Luke 9, 1 through 9, it's when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to work. Um, he sends them out to deliver demons from people, to heal the sick um, and the diseased, and to proclaim the kingdom of God, to proclaim the good news about Jesus. And he, and he tells them even further, when, when you go, don't take anything with you. you. Don't take any extra clothes or money or food. Don't worry about that. Uh, I'll take care of you. So he sends them out in sort of a hostile environment, really unprepared physically to go and do the work for him. Uh, Luke 9, a uh, real familiar one. Luke 9, verse 10 through 17 is when maybe 15 or 20,000 people are out there listening and following Jesus and it's nighttime, and the disciples are all like, man, send them home. It's, I'm hungry. They need to go home and eat. And Jesus looks to them, and he says, nah, you feed them. Feed them right now. Feed them all supper. And um, Jesus puts them to work to feed all those people. And then even, we, usually, a lot of times we miss the last chunk of that. He tells them to group all those people into groups of 50. That's like, um, that's like the whole city of Albemarle like just showed up here and I told like 12 of y'all to just go stick those stick them into groups of 50 I mean that's work and it's late um, and it was hard and they had to have a lot of faith and trust in them to do that um, so he put them to work there Matthew, uh, Luke 9:23 is when he says if you want to follow me you got to deny yourselves daily and follow me um, 9.57, that's where that guy was like, I'm going to follow you, but my father is, is dying and I want to stay around here, wait for that to happen so I take care of him. And Jesus says, no, let the dead bury their dead. You come on now and follow me. Um, be with me now. Proclaim the kingdom. And don't look back. Uh, Luke 10, 1 through 20 is when he sends out the 72, separate from the 12. Um, and he sends them out to do the same ministry that they did, uh, taking nothing with them. Luke 10, um, verse 2, is when Jesus said he's talking about the harvest and the work that needs to be done for the kingdom of God. And he says, look, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot to be done. I get it. 
and the workers are kind of few, but don't panic. Pray to the God of the harvest that he will send out people to go accomplish that. Um, and then last, the last time Paul was up here, uh, two weeks ago, and we preached through the Good Samaritan. We all know it really well, man. That is, that's a story of sacrifice and serving and giving up and working hard for someone else. And in that story was specifically um, about serving and loving your enemy because the Jews and the Samaritans were mortal enemies. So look, that's just two chapters the past couple of months that we've looked and Jesus has really called his followers to work hard for the kingdom of God, okay? So let's not make the takeaway from Mary and Martha it's about not doing, okay? I'm not trying to say that. But here's what you need to make sure you don't do. Don't then invert that and make this story all about doing, okay? It's not about not doing, it's not about doing, okay? Here's what it is, and we'll get into five things, five takeaways from it. It's a story about being, okay? It's about being. It's about our heart's position while we are doing. It's about our spiritual state. I need you to hear this, all right? If I bore you to death later in the next, you know, 10 or 20 minutes and you need to, you need to check out, you'll get this one thing, okay? This is even before the big idea. It's kind of like two big ideas today. <clears throat> Who you are is more important than what you do. I'm going to say it one more time. Who you are is more important than what you do, okay? So it's not a story about doing, do, 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 do more, do more, Okay? Because who you are is a lot more important than what you do. And if you are in Christ, who you are is a, is a son or daughter of God. You are new, okay? You've been set free. You are, you are a follower of Jesus who is God himself, okay? That's the heart of today, and that's also the heart of our church, okay? That's something that you're going to hear more and more about how important it is who you are is near to God, is more important than what you're doing and accomplishing. And we'll see why that's really important. So this is a story about our spiritual state. Um, how many of you know that being near to important things in your life is really, 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 really important? You know that. I confused you. I'll tell you why you know that. It's the reason why um, in relationships... You don't ignore each other if you want it to thrive. It's why you talk on the phone. It's why you communicate. It's why you live in the same house uh, with your spouse, or it's why you spend time with your friends, okay? You don't just say, you're my best friend, and you never see them again, right? Because nearness is really important. Even more practically, like, if you go to go into a Panthers game, it's why you don't want the worst seats, because you want to be near, Right? It's why if you go to a concert, you want to be closer. You don't want to be real far back. Really practical, it's why near, it's why pants are important to be near because they don't serve you well if they're not on. Right? It's why I'm not trying to like take this down to a, to a level that removes all the spiritual out of it. But listen, it's why toilet paper is really important for it to be near. You get in there, and when it's not near to you, you tell me that being near doesn't matter. Being near, think when things are far from you, okay, track with me, when things are far from you, their impact on you is going to be limited at best, 
or non-existent at worst, okay? And you could insert a million examples here. That's the big idea, essentially. Here, here it is. Can you pop that up on the screen? Here's the big idea. In the midst of working for Jesus, because we're not discounting what you need to do for the kingdom of God if you're in Christ, and neither did he, in the midst of working for Jesus, don't neglect to be near Jesus. Because being near is really, really important. Martha was working hard for Jesus, but she was not near him at that moment in that time. While she was working for him, she got distracted from him. And we want to be near him so that while we're doing what we're doing, we are doing it with our hearts in the right place, okay? Let's talk about five things that I think we can take away from this scripture, okay? Um, I'm going to read it to you one more time. Is that cool? Um, It's 38 through... 42, read it real fast. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, and she was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do all this by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. And the Lord answered, and he said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing's necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. We're going to focus a lot on Martha, but we're going to, keep, we're going to spin this po- very positively this morning, and we're going to look at five things that happen when you are near Jesus, when you are hard at work for Jesus, okay? Five things when you're near Jesus that will happen be- while you work for Jesus, okay? Number one is your work will be worship, not overwhelming duty. Your work will be worship, not overwhelming duty. Luke says that Martha was distracted by much serving. And um, if you dig into the the language of the story in the, the Greek where it was originally written is really vibrant. It tells a lot bigger story then those five verses seem to in English. And I'm going to pull a little bit of that out for you this morning. Also, I like, it's, it's good because if you talk about like Greek and how it was written, then some people in the, the, the service are satisfied because it makes you feel like you are smarter than you really are. So that makes them happy too. So um, really, here's, here's what that phrase means, distracted by much serving. Um, it's, it's painting this picture that she was pulled apart. Literally means she was pulled apart. She was being ripped apart by all these things, here and here and here and here and here and here. She was going from thing to thing, task to task. She was being pulled apart. And Luke says that she was distracted over all of those tasks. Note, good tasks, right? They need to eat. It's it's her house. They need to take care of them. They were good tasks. She wasn't doing things that were inappropriate or she wasn't taking nap time while people were in the house. All right? Good things that needed to be accomplished, but she was not focused on why she was doing them. We need to take the word work, because I say it a lot today, and we need to unpack it real quick, okay? Um, we, can't, we can't limit the word work to just your job, okay? Um, so um, wherever you work, I work at the community college, I can't limit work to my job at the college. Uh, um, 
I don't know where the rest of y'all work, but wherever it is, when I say work this morning, that's a part of it, okay? What your employment is a part of that, okay? We can't also, don't limit today when I say the word work to what you do in this church or in another local church that you're a part of. Don't limit the word work to that. Like my role is, you know, I, I teach this class or I help greet people coming in, okay? It's not just that too, that's a part of it. Um, let, me, let me define it with scripture, okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Whatever you do. Colossians 3.17 says that whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. And then verse 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, catch a trend, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. According to Paul, Apostle Paul, um, everything that you do as an employee, everything that you do as a parent, as a spouse, as a sibling, as um, an employer, everything that you do as a neighbor, as a church member, as an evangelist, because you know Jesus and your role is to spread the message of Jesus, everything you do as a friend, everything you do as a grocery shopper, okay, everything, the whole picture of your life, every ounce of it, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So listen, when you're near him, you're near Jesus, those things, all those things, it's like I'm doing the YMCA, all those things will be an act of worship, okay? When you're you're far from him, when you're not near, you will be prone for those things to become tasks that overwhelm and become duties, and you get distracted and pulled apart like like Martha was. Do you see that? When your spiritual state is near Jesus, you'll be worshiping him naturally in all of those things. Um, if your heart's near him, everywhere you go will be a worship service constantly. Because, case in point, all right, buying groceries. Who's the grocery shopper in the house? I am, okay? I like to buy groceries. and that makes me weird. You can take my man card if you need it. I don't even know where it's at. So... I like to buy groceries, but I know a lot of people don't, and it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a, it's a time-consuming thing that you might hate, or it's just a pain, but it's something that has to happen, right? So even something like a, a task like buying groceries, maybe it's late, and you've had a long day, but you know your kids are not going to eat if you don't go buy groceries. That can be a mindless task that you just do, or it can be a Jesus-minded trip. When you're near him, okay, when you're near God and your spiritual state is close to him, you're probably going to be more likely to see that grocery trip as, hey, I am grateful. Thank you, God, that I have money right now in my wallet to go buy food. Thank you that I'm buying it to put in the house that I have that protects my family that you've given me. Thank you that my children who are healthy and my family that is healthy is going to eat it. Thank you for, um, for getting me there safely. Oh, help me, God, to take this food and not covet it, but to give it out when my neighbors need it or when somebody is ill and I can help serve them with it. Oh, God, while I'm here at the store, help me serve the people at the store with me. Help me to smile and be at peace and be happy and be the light of the world. Help me to be 
the customer that shines light on the cashier because the five people in front of me were complete jerks and helped me to share about the good news of Jesus. You see the difference there? When we're far from him, our nature is going to say, Ugh, I'm so sick of going by groceries. I don't want to do this. When we're near him, that's a worship service. And that's an opportunity to do whatever you do, glorify God. Okay? So that's what we mean by work. Uh, when, you, when you are near him, your work will be worship. You won't be pulled apart doing tasks. Okay? That kind of defines work and helps us to see the next four. I don't panic. The next four are going to be quicker, okay? Um, that helps us to, to kind of get it, wrap our brain around what those are going to be. All right, number two. When you are near Jesus while you're working hard for him, you will have peace, not anxiety. Peace, not anxiety. And the people in the room that struggled with being anxious over things are, are just, they need, you need to let that amen out. It's okay. You can do it. You can talk here. Right? You know, because this speaks to you like, bam, you need peace and not anxiety. Listen, Jesus told Martha, he said, you are anxious. That's the Greek there. Um, you are being anxious. That's the opposite of peace. You get that? When you're anxious over here, you don't have peace. Anxiety is a lacking of it. The near yard of Jesus, I'm here to tell you, that the more peace you will have, and here's why. Here's one of the reasons. You're gonna, we're going to get in a couple of weeks, Paul's going to be preaching through Luke chapter 12. And that's when, um, and I would encourage you to, to make that a passage that you go read today if you're really struggling with this. Um, he's talking to his followers, just telling them, relax. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. I've got you. You don't have to worry about taking care of of yourself and, and everything and, and we're not where the, your food's going to come or your money's going to come. Just, just calm down. Don't be anxious. Be at peace. He says to trust God fully. Listen, how many of you trust fully people you don't know? Nobody, right? Like, no, you, you, we have a hard time trusting somebody that you don't know. You have a hard time probably trusting what I'm saying if you don't know me. You haven't, been, you haven't spent time around me, okay? I might be making those Greek words up, right? Like, that's just, that's just what we do. We want, we're climbing a, uh, you know, a rock face. We want to trust the person that's holding on to our rope. We don't want him to be a, just a stranger. Hey, guy, just make sure I don't die, right? We don't do that, all right? It's the same thing with Jesus. You ever wonder, maybe you don't trust Jesus because you're not near to Jesus. Maybe the anxiety that is there is because you're not near and you're not drawing close to him to wipe out that anxiety and replace it with the peace that he promised would be there. This is a good one. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious about nothing, but when you are, you know, go to God in prayer and you'll receive peace, okay? Be anxious about nothing. In Christ, hear this, in Christ, you were set free from everything. You were set free, completely free. If you are free, you are free indeed, okay? That's the message of the New Testament. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are free. But we need to stay close to him to remain free. Because that's also a big message of the New Testament. Paul is always talking to these people like, man, y'all were in chains 
And you keep wanting to put chains back on. And I, you don't have to wear chains anymore. And you wear dead and your sins. And you keep wanting to act like that instead of being free. So when you are near to Jesus, you'll stay that way. You'll stay free, okay? All right, so you have peace and not anxiety. Number three is this. You will be refreshed and not resentful. You will be refreshed and not resentful. Um, Jesus tells Martha next that she is troubled about many things. And this is a really cool picture um, that, that the original language paints that we, that we can't really get in there in English without making it too wordy. But the language there suggests that she's like flipping out. All right? She's not just troubled on the inside. The language used signifies, I mean, she was troubled on the outside. She was panicking. She was like having a panic attack almost. Like there were so many things to get done that she was internally all a mess, but she was externally a mess and loud about it, all right? She, this was not a quiet thing in the kitchen, like, you know, just like chopping stuff up, looking through the window like mad. She was, she was fussing and yelling, and she was having a really hard time with this, okay? Um, she was experiencing the opposite of refreshment. She was drying up. Like, when you, you plant, anybody plant? Like, I love to plant, plant junk every year. It's going to be pretty with flowers, or it's going to feed my family. And then I remember why I hate planting stuff, because you've got to water it. And when you don't water it, it just kind of, you know, just falls over, right? That's Martha. She was not being refreshed by the Word of God in that moment. She was working, and she was being frustrated, and she started to be resentful, and she was drying up and wilting over. Um... So she was doing the opposite of refreshment. I'm going to turn to this passage and I want to read you these couple verses. Because these are the words of Christ and a lot of us need those right now. And you need to take this and you need to chew on it and you need to stop listening to me right now and just hold on to these couple verses, okay? Listen, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, okay? I'll read this to you. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden or weary and burdened, got a lot going on, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's being near in Jesus. You notice what he doesn't say? doesn't say, come to me and I will give you rest because you'll never have to do anything again. And things will never be hard again. And, and you'll never have any tasks to accomplish for the kingdom. Or you never have to worry about buying groceries. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me and be near me and you will have rest while you do those things. That's really important to get. So she's the opposite of it. She's drying up. And in that moment, she is far from him. And in that state, she's staying weary and burdened. And in Martha's weary and burdened state of doing good things, don't forget, she's doing good stuff. She's, not, she's doing things that are important. She became resentful. And she resents Mary for not helping. She's looking out there resenting her with hard feelings towards her. And then she's also resenting God. Because she says, you don't look like you care or get me right now. You see this on my face, Jesus. I need help, and she's not helping me, and you don't care anything about it. She's resenting God himself and Jesus right there. Um, Martha is like, is getting, finally getting ready to, to make fires and, and sit outside in, in the cool weather. And um, when it gets super cold, and maybe there's snow on the ground, 
and you're gathering up sticks to feed that fire and you're freezing out in the woods, but you kind of see that fire, that's Martha. And she sees people sitting by that fire getting all warm and toasty inside and she's out here freezing, getting stuff to feed that fire and she's starting to resent that fire because she never goes near it and is warmed by it. That's this picture with Jesus. And she's spending all this time working really hard on good things, good tasks, but she's not near to him, so she's freezing to death. She's drying up. She's not being refreshed. Okay, so when you're near him while you're working hard for him, you will have refreshment. You will find rest, okay? Number four, you will follow God's lead and not your own. When you're near him, you'll follow his lead instead of your lead. Martha, in that moment, when she was struggling to be near Jesus, and she called the shots. She took the reins there, okay? And um, in verse 40, Martha tells Jesus what to do. Like, you stop back and realize that? He's Lord, he's Savior, he's King. She comes to him, and she tells him what to do. I told you she was flipping out. The, the language here is really rich and it is really interesting to read. The, the Greek suggests that not only did she just come to him and be like, um, excuse me, um, this lady, can you have her help me, right? The language suggests that she came up to him stomping and she stood over him, probably hands on the hip, and says, Jesus. And in, in an opposing manner, an aggressive opposing manner, that's what she came out of the kitchen as. Or you would have used different language to suggest otherwise. She came out there and she's calling the shots. And she's telling him, Jesus, you tell her to come in here and help me. This is the state she's in. And that's what happens when we're not near him. And maybe it doesn't feel like that dramatic, but that's what happens when we're far from him. Is we start calling our own shots. And we're not following his lead, we're following our lead. When Jesus would respond, I think saying... Um, in John 10, 27, you remember that passage where he says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the shepherd. It's like, I'm, I'm the captain now, right? I'm the shepherd, okay? My sheep, they know my voice. They know me. They hear me, and they follow me. That's the state we want to be in. That's the state we want to be in. If, if we're near him, we'll hear from him, and we'll follow him. And I don't know about you, but... If I'm going to get that right about do all to the glory of God, I'd rather be following my, his, his lead and his guidance than mine because I'm probably going to screw it up really bad if it's just following my own lead. Definitely going to mess it up really bad. So when we're near him, we know that we're following the right path because we're hearing from him. We're getting his wisdom. We're gleaning wisdom from him. And interesting to note, for y'all doing too much in here or out there, you're near him, he might give you the wisdom to know you need to let go of those three things right there because I got it. Don't worry about it. Don't feel like you got to handle it and nobody else will get it done. You need to find rest in me and peace and refreshment. If you're near him, you might just hear him tell you that and you can be obedient to it. If you're not, you're always here to save the day and do the 15 things that you think won't ever get done without you, which makes you God, right? Not right, okay? Um... So if you're near him, you'll follow God's lead and not your own. And here's the last one, okay? We're going to wrap this up. If you're near him while you're working hard for him, you will offer your gift without measuring what others offer. You're offering up. Number one, right, was in all that you do, do everything to the glory of God. 
Give it as an, as, an, as an object of worship up to Jesus, okay? You're worshiping him with what you're doing, with your very life. Romans 12.1 says your life is a living sacrifice. So you're offering up your life to him and everything that you do from your job to your church to your family, okay? So you're offering that up to him. And when you're near him, what you won't be doing is looking around at what others are doing, at how much they're doing or how little. And you'll be measuring their gift to the, to the Lord. Um, Martha was trying to serve Jesus, but she was busy measuring Mary. And that's a recipe for disaster. Listen, before we go hating on Martha, I don't want you to hate on Martha. I need you to hear this, okay? We're really bad about taking people like Martha and Peter and different people in Scripture, and we hate on them, and we're like, oh, man, look at that. And, but I'm going to tell you that most of us in the room are probably Martha, Okay? We're probably all Marthas. And here's why. Listen to her context, okay, really quick. Okay? Um, first off, Jesus was her friend. And he had just told all of his followers twice that he was going to die. He just told them that. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm all life's going to be laid down. So she just heard twice from her Lord, her master, the one that she followed, that he's going to die, okay? And now he's in her, he's in her house her house, not, Martha, not Mary's house, right? It's her house, okay? And who came with him? Probably about 100 people. I don't know, I mean, that's a guess. He didn't come by himself, okay? And all the 72 had just come back, so they're probably like having celebration dinner of, of eating after all the good things that happened. So there might be 100 people in her house, her leader who she knows is going to his death, and she's got to cook for all these people. And remember, when he fed the 5,000, what did he tell them? What did he tell the disciples? Man, you feed them. I'm not feeding them, you feed them. Go get some food and feed them. And they're like, how are we supposed to do that? So she already knew, and the last time a bunch of people came together, we were supposed to feed them, and so I'm not going to mess up on that, okay? So do you see that Martha, she's doing good things, and her heart desires to serve and honor Jesus. So don't hate on Martha, because you're probably Martha. I'm probably Martha, Okay? But in that state, if she was nearer to him when she was doing those things, she'd probably been worshiping him. He doesn't tell her to stop. He, didn't, he says, Mary's doing what Mary needs to be doing right now. Leave Mary alone. Mary's doing what she needs to be doing. He didn't say, Martha, you stop doing that and get in here. You notice that? He didn't tell her that. Because while she was doing those things, she can be near to him and she can be worshiping him. And those were right for her. Her heart was in the wrong standing at that moment. So don't be so hard on Martha. Listen, she was trying to serve, but she was busy measuring. And some of us are in that place. The moment that you start measuring how much or how little somebody else is doing is the moment you take your eyes off of Jesus. It's the moment that you begin to elevate yourself because all of a sudden what you're accomplishing is more important than what he's accomplishing. Okay, you begin to elevate yourself and say, Jesus, and your focal point becomes on what you're doing instead of what he did for you. You're, you start assuming that others, how much they're serving is inadequate or insufficient. You start saying things like, gosh, I'm working my tail off, and this guy's sitting over here drinking coffee, right? That's the kind of things that we start doing. You start prescribing what and how much others should be doing to get it right, Okay? And let's call that what it is. That is pride, okay? That's pride, and that kills. Pride kills. 
Um, the role of all those things is Jesus. It's his job. Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, he brings to, God brings to light what is hidden in the darkness and exposes the motives of our hearts. Man, you do your role. You worship Jesus in your life, in your context, and you let him work out how this person's context is worshiping God and working for the kingdom. And you don't start measuring and getting out your weights, okay? You do your role, and you focus. You know what that'll do? Here's what that'll do. You'll start seeing people differently. You'll start seeing them more deeply. You'll stop looking at their circumstances, and you'll start, like, seeing deeply inside of them and seeing who they are and where they're at. And you'll see that they are also loved by God, and they are new and set free by Jesus. And you'll encourage, and you'll stop tearing down. It's not our job to expose the motives of people's hearts or tell them they need to be doing more or bring to light what's hidden in the darkness. That's God's job. It's our job to offer Romans 12.1, our lives up as a living sacrifice. Um, listen, there's this great parable, and you can jot it down, Matthew 20, 1 through 16. I won't explain it much because we need to be done, Okay. This great parable, Matthew 21 through 16, where it's called the laborers in the vineyard. And um, it's about this man that has a vineyard and he pays this, guy, this, this group of people to come work all day. They can come work like a nine-hour shift, all right? Hard labor. He gives them their wages for the day. And then uh, about noon, he hired some more people to come in. And at the end of the day, he pays them the same thing. And then at the very end of the day, like one or two hours left, a couple more people come in. And at the end of the day, pays them the same thing. And the guys that put in the whole day are like, hey, you gave me like $50, you gave him like $50. He worked for like an hour and I worked for nine. What's up with that? That's not cool. And Jesus is saying, and that's how the kingdom is. You got to quit worrying about how much you're doing and desiring that you have more or that you're in a better standing, you're in a better place, okay? You let them honor and serve me in the way that I'm calling them to because they're near to me and I'm not leaving them hanging on their own. And you go and you work hard and you'll have peace and you'll be refreshed and you'll be worshiping, okay? And you won't have to measure what they're doing. Um, listen, we are done. Here's, here's how we tie these five things together, okay? It's really, really, really important to be near Jesus. Really, really important. And not in like a religious way, like, oh, you're a better Christian or you're, better, you're a good person if you are. You're spending more time with Jesus. But in a, life's not going to work the right way if I'm far from Jesus. Sorry. I mean, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that's what we believe here at this church. If we're far from him. Life's not really going to quite work the way that it would if we were near him. It's like an Instagram filter, right? You put that filter on, the whole scenario looks differently. If we were near in Christ... The scenario, everyone, from parenting to groceries to your job to your church, look and function differently because you're near to the Creator. So how can we very practically be nearer to Him? How can we very practically, because if we're not, life's sort of incomplete at best. First thing is, look, 
I'm largely speaking to an audience of people that I'm going to make the assumption that you are in Christ, that you're a Christian, you're a believer. Um, if you're not, this can't really apply because you're not, you can't come nearer to him if you are not in him, okay? So the first things first, we want you to believe and follow in Jesus. If you've not, man, I want you just to come spend some time with me or some leaders after we get done. And let's talk through what that means to follow Jesus. If you ask my daughter, she would tell you that sin separates me and God forever, and that's what Jesus came to do. He came to, to come to earth, to lay his life down. We just remembered it and took the bread and the juice. He laid his life down to cover and pay for that sin and to reunite us with God forever, okay? That's the good news of Jesus, and we don't have to work to get that. So if that's not you, the next parts don't really apply, but I would love to talk to you about it. Um, if it is you and you are in Christ, very practically, how can, you, how can you draw near to him? I'm not trying to be a broken record, but we've got to be intentional about spiritual disciplines. We just have to, and we know that. We've, we just, we've got to be intentional about praying, about spending time communicating with him. We've got to be intentional about learning this and taking it to heart and writing this on our heart. We've got to be intentional about spending um, close-knit time with Jesus that we remove the distractions of life and the commitments of life away from. We need to sit at his feet. Sometimes you just need to sit at his feet like Mary was doing. Um, those are the things that separate Christian religion from Christian relationship. Everybody has some sort of relationship in here. Most of us have hundreds. And we know how those relationships work, especially if you've got a spouse. If you have a marital relationship, man, try never communicating with your spouse. Never look her or him in the eye. Never talk. Never communicate about anything. Never touch. Never kiss. Never be together. And that marriage, what will happen to it? It just disappears. That's, a, that's on like a, a human level. That's a really good example of with Christ. You've got to, you need to invest. I need to invest. You'd probably have a better sermon today if I was nearer to Jesus, all right? You'd have a better worship pastor if I was nearer to Jesus because I would be focused on him instead of sometimes I'm really focused on making sure we're playing the right thing or that I'm not going to mess up a transition or that the speakers are popping or that you look disengaged. I don't be worried about that. If the nearer I am to him. We've got to invest in that relationship with him, and it'll change everything. Um, uber practical, put God in the gaps of your life. The, the small moments, the, the ride in the car, redeem that commute for the glory of God and listen to a book or scripture or worship him through praise. Listen to a podcast or something. Put him in everywhere that you can. Fill in those gaps everywhere with him and the non-gaps are covered because you are near him and you're worshiping through those it'll change things okay the last thing is how can our church help you be near God um, two really important things one is community groups we talk about it all the time you're probably sick of it I know you don't hear about community groups anymore but they're really important okay they're super important and if you've got um, the app on your phone, our church app, you can um, go sign up for community groups right now. There's community group leaders in here. Come find me in a little bit, and I'll point you to some. 
Um, you need to do this in community, not in isolation. When it's in isolation, it's not as healthy as it could be. It's not as strong as it could be. You need to be in community. That helps encourage and, and unify each other and point each other to Jesus. And the other thing is, and I think, Wendy, you're doing it this morning, right? Discover the gathering this morning? Okay. So listen, you've heard us talk about that too, is Discover the Gathering. And it's a class that Wendy does every month, okay? If you're not plugged in here, um, you're not in, really involved in what we're doing, um, every month Wendy's teaching this class that teaches you the DNA of our church and talking more about what it means to follow Christ. You can sign up for that on the app right now or get some information on the way out the door. That's the next steps. That's how our church can help. The second part of Discover the Gathering, 2D, is 1D, 2D, 3D. See life in 3D. That's clever. Second part is with a dude named Jason Fibbs. He teaches this class that helps you go deeper in your spiritual walk, in your faith. Okay? And it's good. I've heard so many good things about where he takes you with that. Helping you to study the scripture for all it's worth and to develop your prayer life and to nurture your relationship with Jesus. And then the, the third aspect of that is with uh, Linda Gardner, and you've seen her around too. She walks you through who you are in Christ, how you fit into the context of this church, your gifts, your passions, and she, puts, she helps us to get to work for the glory of God, for his kingdom. Those are really, really important. Like, I, I'm just telling you, if you, can't, if you can't get on board with those, you're going to have a hard time um, getting on board with what we do here at the gathering. And that's okay. If you want to be on board with what we're doing at the gathering, those are really crucial things, and I think they would change your life. They would definitely change your life. They would change the lives of those around you. So you can sign up for those right now on your phone. It won't hurt my feelings if you pull it out because I'm going to pray for you and we're done. Um, or we can chat about it more here. I'm available. There's leaders around. We love you, and we're, we're really glad that you came today. And my prayer for you now is that as you leave, you are nearer Christ. And that changes the context around you. Okay? Let me pray for you and then you get out of here. God, we thank you that in you we can be complete. That we have fullness. That we have hope. That we have joy. That we have peace. That we can be at rest. That we can be refreshed. That you give us the, the spiritual ability to worship you in all things. I pray that the context of this scripture... That, that, that pleased with us to be near to you would change everything about our lives. The folks sitting in this room, change the way that their life functions today and this week and this month because it's, it's all pointing to you for your glory, God. That's what we pray. Draw us nearer so that we can be nearer to you. And we know that you will come meet us there. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.